Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the podcast. Uh, super excited to have you on. And uh, it was a pleasure to ultimately meet at the Breakpoint event in uh, Lisbon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, I, I was super impressed by uh, you, your talk that you gave at Breakpoint uh, and ultimately uh, all the team members that I met uh, in person in Lisbon. So uh, definitely excited for this conversation and excited for other people to follow along. Um, I always like to kind of start the podcast uh, with just a little bit more background about you and who you are uh, and how you ultimately got into crypto. Um, so I would love to just start with how you got into tech. Uh, I know you spent some time at Uber. Um, maybe start from there and uh, how you kind of uh, ultimately got started and uh, what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually got started a little before Uber. Like my first interaction with tech was building iPhone apps in high school. That's awesome. Uh, just random games and... I don't know, different productivity tools and stuff like that. Uh, so I knew I actually wanted to study like CS when I went into university uh, and ended up going to Champaign uh, Urbana, University of Illinois for that. Um, I was kind of doing startups, like various side projects during all of college and then senior year rolled around and the, the product we were working on, like we weren't making enough money. We had no idea how to raise. And so we all just started applying for jobs. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, I ended up, kind of finding my way to the, the payments team at Uber out in San Francisco in the middle of uh, summer of 2016. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I really came in on like a hiring wave of like interns and, and college students that um, Uber just had like a million problems that they were trying to solve and a bunch of fires to put out. And they were just kind of like throwing bodies at the problems. And I was one of those bodies. Uh, <laughs> and so I ended up kind of surviving there. Um, and yeah, really was working on like sort of backend payment solutions, uh, primarily the, the payroll system that, that pays all the drivers. And uh, I'm not sure how many people realize, but it, it really is like one of the largest payroll systems in the world with around like 4 million employee contractors in every currency and country on the planet. And yeah, so I, I, at Tesla, I was doing a on the supercharger team kind of leading uh, the global expansion. And I can only imagine because we went through a lot of the similar <laughs> problems with like how to accept local currencies and it is a mess. So, and that we, we didn't have, I mean, we're accepting money from a lot of Tesla drivers, but that was or nowhere near. I can imagine how many people were ultimately driving Uber. Yeah. Well, that was just the payout side. The, the collection side was a whole nother like crazy world where, yeah. uh, I mean, to support credit cards in different countries was like, you have to do integrations with all sorts of different payment processors. Uh, and then there's a lot of countries in the world that like, don't really use credit cards, like, like say Saudi Arabia and Egypt, for example, it's like credit is kind of, uh, on an outlawed to an extent there. And, and much of LATAM, uh, like many is, is a very cash-based society. And mm -hmm. so, um, finding ways to allow users to like use the, the products and in, in the app in, in those countries was definitely bit of a challenge and we had to integrate with some different payment processors on that front. Um, beyond the, the like driver payout side, uh, it was a lot of like international banking integrations with like Citibank and Wells Fargo and Deutsche Bank and HSBC and others to be able to find like different rails and routes to the drivers that, that live in all these different countries like Taiwan and Trinidad and Tobago and, and everywhere around the world. Uh, and so I spent a lot of my time kind of working on those systems and yeah, just really came to see like every possible payments bug you can imagine. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get like too deep into the weeds, but I mean, everywhere from like, you know, late payments to double payments to like, we had one situation where we paid like an entire city's worth of payments to a single driver oh, no. at one point, it was like <laughs> all sorts of like uh, craziness. Um, and so it, it was really working on those systems that I kind of like, I guess, sharpen my skills. And, um, I think payments is like a great industry to really learn, like, like, I don't know, hard engineering or like, like the problems in payments where if you pay, uh, we used to say like, if you give someone a ETA of that's two minutes off, like they don't really care. But if you pay a driver like $2 less than they're expecting, it's like a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and so the, the margin for error is like very tight. Um, and working in that environment, it just requires a different kind of engineering mindset. And 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I can only imagine ultimately uh, all the fees that kind of accrued from doing payments uh, worldwide, uh, dealing with credit cards. That was one thing that we were also trying to figure out with Tesla's. Uh, how, how ultimately can you reduce the credit card overhead? Because uh, those fees add up quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like 3% of, of every transaction. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's going to these uh, middlemen with their, their hands in the cookie jar, really. <laughs> so you, you spent a good amount of time at Uber, uh, but in, it, ultimately, uh, somehow you ended up at Solana Breakpoint uh, last year. Uh, what kind of inspired you to go to that conference? And I guess like even more so, like what got you into crypto? Yeah, uh, I first kind of started looking at crypto in February of 2021, uh, just last year. And uh, it, it really came out of just a conversation I was having with some friends who um, took me on a deep dive through, through Ethereum. And uh, I'd obviously heard about Bitcoin and Ethereum before and like knew what they were, but it never really made any sense to me why someone would want to spend $20 in fees to like transfer $5 to a friend. I didn't really get like what, <laughs> what the systems were for. Um, but once I really understood the idea of this like world computer and a, on a decentralized compute platform, that, that was kind of interesting. Um, and just like immediately saw Ethereum had all these scaling problems and, uh, a friend of mine, Barrett, who uh, is working at a company called Cypher, uh, which is a, a DEX on Solana, he um, was working on Solana at the time and, and really was pushing this idea that like Solana had solved all these scaling problems, kind of like solved that uh, on a blockchain trilemma issue. Um, and, and so that's what kind of got me interested in it. I spent a few months like dabbling in DeFi on Ethereum. Uh, and then around August of that year, 2021, um, yeah, really decided to take the dive and, and start building and really started with Solana. And the thing that attracted me to it was kind of coming from that payments world, the idea of uh, a payment rails that, that settled in seconds and, uh, you know, had like a, a fraction of a cent for, for fees. Uh, and so my head kind of immediately went to like, well, we should build a payroll system on this thing. Yeah. And, and, and that was where we started. And so I just figured I should go to Breakpoint and see what it was all about. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I kind of, I got in a little bit earlier. I, I got in in 2017 uh, and was super <laughs> excited about things. Ultimately, uh, thought I knew a lot more than I did at the time, uh, but kept with it throughout <laughs> the bear market uh, in like 2018, 19 and 2020. Um, and kind of came to the same conclusions ultimately after a little bit more time. Uh, I, I personally paid like $1,000 plus for like Uniswaps. Uh, and <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, even if like it's a, on a decentralized exchange and all this stuff, like the fact that it's, uh, paying so much, um, especially even on just like transfers, like 50 plus dollar transfers. And like when the bull market was happening, um, it was crazy. Yeah. And then. I don't know if you ever gone to that site, the like, I think fees.wtf site. Where... I don't want to look at it. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, I mean, I wasn't too bad. I, I try to conserve just most of my ETH, but uh, that's that I like totally agree though. Like, ultimately, like, uh, like finding Solana, doing a lot of like the due diligence uh, on like the technical aspects, but then mm -hmm. how quick transactions settled, the low latency, ultimately being able to do transactions that are fractions of a penny. Like, I was amazed. And, uh, yeah. the more I dug into it, I was like, all right, we're actually kind of from like the product point of view, like at a point where like people can build cool stuff that normal people can use where it doesn't like take, uh, multiple minutes to settle and don't have to pay so much money. So that's awesome. What were kind of some of your biggest takeaways from, uh, that Solana breakpoint of last year in 2021 that made you want to, uh, go further into the Solana ecosystem and start building on it full time? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing was honestly just the caliber of the people, uh, and like the talent of the people building in the space. Uh, it seemed everyone was very talented and like very skilled and coming from like a hard kind of engineering backgrounds. And I think part of it was like this self-selection bias where we're like building on Solana, particularly at that time is like very difficult. 
Yeah. So it attracted a certain type of engineer. Um, and, and yeah, I just thought it was like really cool. And the idea of this distributed kind of decentralized compute platform where you could run sort of any arbitrary application, uh, or any arbitrary logic, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. Um, it was super exciting. Uh, and to me, it still, it seems like kind of an alternative to like the AWS model, um, where we say deploy our applications to some single instance, uh, in a single region. And, um, it was really, I guess, understanding kind of like how Solana works and like the, the, how the network like hands off, like the leader role between different nodes and is kind of in this like constant state of failover and like distributes downtime risk across, um, all the nodes. It, it was mm -hmm. like really wrapping my head around that. It was like, okay, this thing is like insane. Um, and super cool. And I just kind of couldn't imagine like building on anything else. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it was, uh, that, that 2021 uh, breakpoint was, uh, it was super cool. I mean, ultimately with COVID happening and then everybody actually getting together in person, uh, and then, yeah, like you said, the technical architecture, like it is insane. And once you are able to <laughs> wrap your head around it, you're like, holy shit. Like uh, yeah. what Anatoly and team have done is extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And so at what point, uh, I mean, ultimately you decided to, uh, initially start with like payroll system. Mm -hmm. At what point did you, uh, start working on that full time? And then at what point also did you realize that possibly this was not the thing that you needed to build and ultimately pivot to clockworks? Yeah. Uh, we were building that payroll system for a few months, I'd say from August of 2021 to but February of, of just earlier this year, 2022. Uh, and like along the way, we were basically just running into this challenge around like, how do we schedule transactions? Uh, because what we wanted to build was a system that could say schedule a token transfer every Monday or every, uh, every day or every month, really, uh, according to whatever, like the company had configured the schedules to be. <clears throat> and so, um, what we were looking for was like some sort of native on-chain scheduling, transaction scheduling API, but, but that didn't exist. Uh, and so the only thing that made any sense to us was to like spin up a server and a cloud uh, service platform like Google or AWS, and then code that thing to submit the transactions to the chain according to our schedules. And uh, we did that and, and it worked, but we weren't very happy with it as like a long-term solution because we, like we're a bit of, I don't know, bit by the idealist bug of like, we, we wanted to build a, a DAP, like a decentralized system. And so the idea that it was all going to be dependent on this kind of off-chain scheduling system um, was not, I don't know, it didn't appeal to us because uh, it introduced all sorts of risks. And uh, primarily it's just this centralized single point of failure where if that system were compromised in any way or goes down, it, it kind of defeats the point of like building on the blockchain in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the back of my mind for those months while we were building it, <clears throat> I'd always thought, well, after we build this payroll system, maybe we'll look at like a general purpose scheduler. Um, and then showing up at Mountain Dow uh, in, in February, we're just kind of hanging out with like Edgar and Barrett and the, and the folks there. And for and, those that are not super familiar with Mountain Dow, could you just explain what it was? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's basically... Uh, a kind of self-organized like group of founders in the Solana ecosystem uh, rented out a co-working space in Salt Lake City and just blasted it on Twitter and say, hey, come through. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of people showed up and we were all there for like a month, uh, hanging out, like going into the, the shop every day, building. Uh, and then on the weekends, we'd kind of go skiing and, and hang out in the town in, in Salt Lake. And um, yeah, it was really like an escape from kind of like COVID or, uh, really getting to meet up with like people on Twitter that, uh, you know, were only ever JPEGs to us before. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was in that environment that we kind of, yeah, got the urge to like, okay, well, let's just see if we can do this general purpose scheduler. Um, because a lot of the people we were talking to there also were running into similar problems where like they had a smart contract and they had to build an off chain system to kind of automate it. And it was like seeing that pattern so many times, 
um, with like every team we were talking to, it was like, okay, maybe there's some sort of, uh, there seems to be some sort of problem here. And so we set about to try to like solve that. That's awesome. Uh, and very cool that, uh, Mountain Dow ultimately kind of like confirmed or highlighted that problem, uh, again, uh, I, I was bummed I didn't get to go, but, uh, I, I heard it was fantastic. Um, so maybe on, uh, the automation problem and why, why is this, or why was it kind of a solved problem in the more centralized, like AWS, Google cloud? but it was not a solved problem or could people continue to run into the issue on like decentralized uh, blockchains uh, such as Solana? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, in a centralized system, it's uh, scheduling is not, not too hard because you just need some, some process somewhere, uh, either on the same server that your, your application is running in or in some, some other server. Uh, to keep track of the time and then like send a request to your application um, when when you need a, a particular process to run uh, and and that's not too hard to do in a centralized system because it's like compute is very cheap you can just spin up a server um, what made it hard in the decentralized world was not setting up a single point of failure somewhere so with the ideal of like these distributed compute environments or, or blockchains is like um, you know, Solana, for example, distributes downtime risk over all these different servers that are, uh, validating transactions. And, uh, the goal of the general purpose scheduler was to try to do the same for, for transaction scheduling, where instead of relying on some single point of failure somewhere that could schedule those transactions, how do we distribute that across the network and, and also make it efficient where not every node in the network is like spamming uh, transactions, but there's some sort of coordination there. Um, and, and it was not very like straightforward it, or it wasn't a trivial problem basically to solve. Yeah, so well, I, I don't think, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love to kind of dive deeper into the details of how you and clockwork solved it. Maybe just to back up a little bit, uh, before we get into like some of the technical details, um, mm -hmm. Talk about like, what is clockwork? Like more broadly, what is your goal? And then, uh, we get happy to jump into, uh, the tech stuff. Yeah. So clockwork put short is, uh, is an automation engine for the Solana blockchain. And what that means is that developers can use clockwork to schedule transactions and automate smart contracts without relying on centralized infrastructure. Um, and so if there's any sort of like token transfer or mint or swap on a DEX or calculation or really any arbitrary state change you can imagine. Uh, Clockwork provides an API for automating that without having to write some, some off-chain bot. Um, it can be done simply through smart contracts and, and scripting. Awesome. And so, and this was a big technical challenge to ultimately uh, make this work. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about some of the problems that you ran into and how the team went kind of uh, tried to address those or, uh, we're able to circumvent those. Yeah. Uh, the big thing is basically how do you delegate responsibility to some server to submit the transaction to the chain? Um, and if that server goes down, how does that responsibility fall back to some other server? Um, and, and so what we ended up doing was, uh, we realized Solana provided this interface called the Geyser plugin interface on the, the validators and RPC nodes where um, you can essentially build a, a plugin that runs as a, a sidecar process on, on the, the validator itself. Uh, and we realized we could leverage that to kind of like add superpowers, so to speak, to, to the nodes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we built this plugin that could kind of monitor on-chain smart contracts and then build transactions and submit them to the chain on those contracts behalf. And, uh, and then worked with a bunch of node operators to get that plugin deployed across the subnet of RPC nodes on the network. And it's that subnet that we kind of call the worker net <clears throat> that, um, really powers the service. And so in that way, it's, uh, yeah, clockwork is not like a SAS. It's not some, uh, I don't know, you're not just like shifting, kicking the can down the road to like some other single point of failure that like we're running in AWS. It's, it's really a, 
the idea was to get these uh, contracts automated by the Solana chain itself, such mm -hmm. that um, re like moves a step closer to that goal of a world computer where we can just deploy applications that that run. Yeah, that's and I mean, so is the biggest challenge just having a kind of a plethora of of RPC nodes just to make sure that there aren't the failovers. Yeah, that, that and uh, doing it cheaply and efficiently. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like in the in the naive case, you could say uh, deploy this plugin out to uh, a big subnet of, of nodes, and uh, if there's like some sort of task that needs to be executed on chain, and you have like a thousand nodes in the network, if those thousand nodes aren't coordinating in any way. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're all just spamming the chain to try to execute that one task. Like they're all racing effectively to get their transactions in. Um, it, it ends up, you have this economics problem where like your node is only going to win uh, one one thousandth of the time. Yeah. And the other 999 times your node's going to fail and, and you're going to pay network fees uh, submitting that transaction to the chain. That makes um, sense. And, and that actually makes it kind of like an EV negative strategy. It's like running a node yeah. um, where the only real solutions there are to, if you're paying out a fee, like a, an automation fee to the winning node, um, you either have to crank that up like really high to offset the, the negative cost um, mm -hmm. or which, which that actually like gets worse as the, the system gets more uh, decentralized, which is not ideal. Um, or what we ended up doing was kind of constraining that race in a way where we have a thousand nodes that are on the network, um, but we have an active worker pool of, of three nodes that are allowed to submit transactions to the chain at any given time. And we used a uh, stake weighted sampling to kind of sample nodes through that, that active worker pool. Nice. Um, and that's how we solved that, that problem. That's awesome. And for those that are not super familiar with the Solana ecosystem, would you be able to kind of break down or uh, just kind of compare the difference between like a traditional RPC node and then uh, just like a Solana validator? Yeah, uh, they're effectively the same thing. It's the same code base under the hood. Um, the only difference is that the validators have some soul staked with them and the RPC nodes don't have any soul. And so the, the validators participate in consensus and they vote on blocks uh, and uh, yeah, just, just work in that consensus protocol. And, and the RPC nodes um, are basically data replicas of the chain. And, and so you can query them for account states um, or use them to submit transactions to, to the chain. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I think a lot of people, I mean, the Solana network, unfortunately, I think once it like, I think, uh, you kind of get your head around it. It's relatively simple, but like, just like getting over <laughs> that initial hurdle, uh, it's, it, it, there's a lot to take in, but no, it, it's super interesting that you guys are able to, I, I, I didn't really think about ultimately submitting multiple votes. And then only one of those votes from the validators, if you're running it on every single RPC node. Uh, they're all competing against each other. And ultimately you just need one of them to, uh, submit for that process to run. Uh, so it's super interesting how you guys figured that out. Yeah, it, uh, it wasn't obvious. It, it took yeah. like many steps, uh, to say of different versions of like the first version didn't even run on the validators. It was just a, a box in AWS and our initial yeah. plan was to get everyone running these boxes. Um, but, but that ended up having a whole bunch of issues where like the transactions then had to go through this RPC network and then then to the validators themselves. And um, it, it was very slow. And we realized that mm -hmm. once we realized we could build a plugin, it was like, we can just move a, a step closer to the actual like final destination. Um, yes. And basically like bypass a whole network hop. Um, and so- That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you're able to kind of ultimately figure this out with the stake weighted, uh, uh, kind of from the RPC nodes and what functionality now have you kind of unlocked from the like developer or API, uh, point of view that 
did not exist prior to like Clockworks existing. Yeah. So the, the API we provide developers, we, uh, call threads and, uh, what they are really is like, if you're a software developer, you kind of already know what, what threads are like, uh, traditional applications use threads to execute a series of instructions on a computer. Uh, and so clockwork threads, uh, provide a mechanism for Solana smart contracts to execute a series of instructions on Solana. Um, and it, it really is an API for smart contracts to like build transactions, um, or define the transactions that they want to have submitted to the chain. Mm -hmm. And, um, the API in short kind of uh, allows for, uh, like when you're building a Solana smart contract, you do two things, you define your state and some instructions, uh, that like define how that state can change and mutate. And, and the clockwork threads API allows your instructions to kind of point to another instruction that should be run and build up a, a chain or like a linked list of instructions. Uh, mm -hmm. where instruction A runs and it does some stuff and then points to instruction B and instruction B runs and does some stuff and points to instruction C and so on and so on. And, uh, that worker net is able to simulate that chain and then pack all those instructions in, into a transaction and submit that to the chain, um, on your program's behalf. And, and that's, that's really what brings it to life. Um, and the threads allow, they expand the design space for smart contracts, like quite dramatically. Um, mm -hmm. Where, for example, um, I mean, going to the payments use case just off the bat is like, you can define with your smart contract, a way to just schedule a transfer transaction to happen according to whatever schedule you want, like every Monday or every, uh, every other week. Um, or you could execute like a dollar cost averaging strategy just through mm -hmm. a smart contract. Um, and they even get a bit more flexible where like you could monitor a particular incoming price feed from Pith and execute a swap based off that price feed. Um, or even do some like DeFi protection mechanisms. Whereas like if your particular position on Solend is approaching liquidation, you could auto repay that debt, uh, rather than having your, your, uh, loan get liquidated. I think this is fascinating. Ultimately being able to, uh, uh, automate a lot of the dApps built on Solana uh, to, uh, just kind of customize, uh, for certain events, as you mentioned, or triggers, uh, liquidation, mm -hmm. Oracle prices, uh, ultimately, uh, there's really kind of limitless possibilities. And, uh, once you can automate a lot of this stuff, uh, so I'm definitely excited for, uh, developers to continue to integrate with, uh, clockworks, uh, cause it is super fascinating. Uh, and right now I would say. I mean, there are a lot of developers on the ecosystem, but there's still, it's still ramping up and it's still so early and there's still so few users that, uh, as all these things can continue to ramp up, uh, I'm super fascinated to watch what it ultimately will unfold into. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I think there's, I think we're thinking like still the ecosystem as a whole is, um, very like narrow and it's thinking about what we can do with, with blockchains. Yeah. Um, it, to my mind, I think blockchains are just a small part of a larger kind of distributed compute market, mm -hmm. um, where right now, like, like, you know, many, many companies, uh, build applications that they deploy out to AWS, Google cloud. Um, and there really isn't any reason that you couldn't rebuild some of those programs or all of them as, as smart contracts and deploy them to the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then the question is like, well, what, what benefits are there to doing that? And, uh, for one, like many applications are just payments applications. And so being able to settle payments in a, uh, fraction of a cent and instantly in, in USDC on chain is huge. Yeah. Um, and would save many companies like tens of millions of dollars a year. Um, but then beyond that, like what we're actually currently trying to do a bit of like cost estimation for like compute where if you could rewrite some programs that currently run in AWS and, and run them on Solana as a smart contract, uh, how much does your like monthly compute, uh, budget actually change? And I think that will be very interesting to like build up a, a case, um, for like why companies should maybe think about moving some of their backends to, to the blockchain. I fully agree. Uh, 
And yeah, payments, I think, are the most obvious kind of use case today that's actually working uh, live in production, uh, being able to send pretty much instantaneously global wire transfers for fractions of pennies that settle uh, in sometimes less than a second uh, yeah. is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's unheard of for people yeah. in like the traditional payments world. <laughs> yeah. Instantaneous settlement globally for fractions of a penny. It's yeah. hard to beat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so maybe, uh, kind of continuing on that thread, what ha are kind of some of the more novel applications or integrations that you have seen, uh, built, uh, using the threads product? Yeah. So one that's live today, uh, and just launched a breakpoint uh, a few weeks ago was our integration with squads, Congrats. the, uh, multi-sig product on, on Solana. Uh, and squads is kind of building the standard for open source multi-sigs on Solana. And, uh, one thing you can do with your squad is manage a, a validator. Uh, and so there are a number of, uh, you know, brand name validators that, that do all their operations through a multi-sig for the security reasons. Um, so just like distributes the, the risk of, uh, private key compromised private key. Um, and, and so, yeah, one thing you can do with that is like deploy a thread through your squad to auto claim yield from your validator. And that way you don't need everyone on your multi-sig to like sign off on a transaction. Every time you want to claim, you could just set up a background process that, that claims the yield for you. Um, and we're working to make that front end a bit smoother with the squads team, but I'm super excited to actually roll that out and, um, just kind of support the, the ecosystem. That's awesome. No, uh, we love the squads team, uh, and kind of ultimately. I think, especially after recent events with uh, FTX fiasco, uh, <laughs> being able to uh, hold your own private keys and doing it in a safe manner uh, by doing a multi-sig is paramount. And so yeah. uh, anything that you uh, and uh, the Clockworks team can ultimately do to accelerate uh, that and also uh, is amazing. Uh, but no, I think more, fascin more fascinating uh, more broadly is uh, the power of that, like composability of being able to integrate uh, the clockworks with uh, other applications. Uh, and I think the squads and being able to auto claim uh, the yields for staking is fascinating. Um, yeah. is, is there any products that, I, I mean, that you would love to see built, but just haven't, uh, or integrated with Clockworks <laughs> that just ha haven't, uh, started yet or that do not uh, exist yet? Yeah, we've actually, I mean, the, the great part about like the blockchain is a lot of this stuff is permissionless, but like we yeah. can build these contracts and deploy them without necessarily having to ask permission from, <laughs> from some of these teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we, we do work closely with a lot of teams to kind of coordinate, like, like the building. <laughs> um, but, but one where in the middle of right now. And, uh, I mean, I'm super excited to get out is like a, a debt protection, um, smart contract with, with Solend, uh, nice. such that it, it's actually kind of a cross integration between Pith and Solend where, um, we have a thread that can monitor a price feed, uh, and is also watching your, your Solend accounts. And if that, that price feed is say approaching a, a liquidation level, um, we could auto repay your debt from a pool that you have set up, uh, in that way, it, it, in, in many cases, users find that preferable to having their collateral liquidated. Yeah. Um, and so being able to deploy these kind of native on chain, like DeFi protection protocols, I think will be huge for the ecosystem. I totally agree. Uh, no, I'm on the topic of kind of, um, more broadly, like the Solana DeFi ecosystem, especially after uh, kind of FTX, what is, um, I think today, if I were to back up, a lot of teams are going multi-chain, uh, they start off mm -hmm. at one chain. They're like, all right, I'm going to jump to another chain and try to like re-execute a lot of the things that I did on this first chain to like expand market share in some sense. What is like your team's point of view on like these other chains? Are you going to like double down on Solana, like going forward and like recent events? Like, how are you communicating with your team and to like externally to people that are like, oh no, FTX blow up, Slana said. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm very uh, optimistic on, on the Solana ecosystem. I, I think for one, the, the main thing that keeps me optimistic on the ecosystem is just the developer community and, mm -hmm. and the work that, uh, I mean, the folks at the foundation uh, are doing to kind of grow the developer community. Mm -hmm. um, and we've looked at some other chains. Uh, I, I think it would be hard to rebuild the clockwork system on something like Ethereum. Um, it, or even like some of the L2s for that matter, it's for one, the fees are just like very high. And so yeah. running these background processes is like a, <laughs> an estimate, like an exercise and like, uh, how comfortable are you with just like, um, you know, spending outrageous amounts of money. Um, cause when transactions don't cost uh, a fraction of a cent, like these threads become, become very expensive to run. Mm -hmm. Uh, and. For some of the newer chains, like, like Sui and Aptos, um, I mean, we are kind of like keeping our eye on them. Um, I think right now, like, uh, it seems like a lot of the developers in those ecosystem are like still the same developers that are on Solana. And so, yeah. um, there's not like, it, we're not tapping into new markets there. Um, and we are supporting or working on kind of an integration with wormholes such that you would be able to nice. potentially trigger a thread from one of these other chains or like from your thread call out to, uh, another chain. And, um, I think that will be quite exciting, but in general, like my approach to this or my thesis on this really is that like usage, uh, on, on these compute platforms tends to follow like a power law distribution. Where mm -hmm. if you look at like the distribution of uh, desktop operating systems, um, Windows accounts for like 80% of yeah. uh, all desktop uh, OS usage. And on mobile, Android accounts for like 70% of all mobile mm -hmm. OS. And I, so I think in terms of just being like a compute platform, blockchains will follow something similar. Um, and, and there will be multiple chains, but I think the activity will not be evenly distributed across those chains. And, and so our thesis is that Solana, uh, I mean, looking at the data does have the, the majority of transactions today. And, and that's why we are quite committed to Solana. Um, and due to the growth of the developer ecosystem, I feel like Solana will kind of continue to maintain that lead. And, um, we're working to kind of grow, like, like basically grow the ecosystem, uh, grow the market for Solana in particular, like, like find companies, existing companies that have, uh, user bases already and talk to them about like what the benefits are of migrating their backend systems to a blockchain. And yeah. I think that is like how we will actually reach mass adoption much faster than waiting for users to like magically find their way, uh, into crypto. Um, in some ways I, I don't think yeah. you can like. That, wait that totally for users makes sense. to come I think, to uh, crypto. We need to like bring I, it to them. I personally, uh, we, after the FTX stuff, I mean, obviously very sad, uh, with all that, but I mean, now, uh, I think what we've been more continuously impressed by is the Solana community and the Solana builders like doubling down on the Solana ecosystem. And really just, I mean, for the fact that you stated like clockworks trying to run on Ethereum when the gas fees, even as they stand today, could be extremely high. And not, that's not even in a point of like contentious or high use of a blockchain. And I think like you and I both coming from like companies that have built products at scale like you have to have like a backend infrastructure that can actually scale to uh, run some of these type of applications. And if, if that backend infrastructure does not support that or is very low throughput or high latency, it's just extremely hard. And so even with the new chains, um, we're following them as well. But I think even outside of that, like you have to, um, there's no kind of shortcutting, uh, a lot of these blockchains and like their growth and adoption, you have to start from point A and kind of walk the line and all the way to Z. Uh, you can't just jump to Z. You have to build the community. You have to bootstrap the validators. So, uh, no, it, it's cool to hear that you and the team are still, uh, very excited about Solana and, uh, given all the recent events, uh, cause it, it has been tough.
Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we certainly have our, our work cut out for us. Like I, yeah. I think, uh, Solana's definitely distinguished itself as the chain with like cheap and fast transactions, um, and is doing a lot to attract like indie developers and builders, um, to the space. Uh, I think where we could do a lot more is like reaching out to, uh, the CTOs and staff engineers at, at like large tech companies that, that aren't as like, um, are, are much more risk averse, yeah. um, and, and help make the case to them. That's like, these technologies are actually worth building with. Uh, and, and so, yeah, a lot of that is marketing. It's like communicating about reliability. Um, a lot of his engineering about making sure the chain is actually reliable and, and not going down. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're extremely bullish on, on the ecosystem, Solana ecosystem in particular. Awesome. And so yeah, we Very continue cool. to build here. Awesome. Um, and jumping back to, uh, some of the things that you're doing at clockworks. So we talked about threads, um, and maybe kind of pulling upon that thread, uh, <laughs> diving deeper into, uh, how, uh, you can do like a chain of instructions, uh, with clockworks kind of triggering multiple events. I think you did it, but, uh, maybe diving slightly deeper into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the basic interface that we provide, <laughs> sorry, the API, um, is, uh, what we call the thread response. And so, um, yeah, jumping back to like when you're doing Solana developments, uh, and writing those instructions, commonly we never return anything from our instructions. Uh, we have these empty response values and just say, okay, at the end of our functions, um, but Solana is actually way more flexible in that it provides or allows for instructions to return data. Uh, and, and we decided or realized we could leverage that to do some nifty things. And so with the, the clockwork SDK, we provide, uh, a function, uh, a struct that we call the, the thread response. Um, and the thread response has a couple different properties there that developers can use to kind of manage threads and work with them. Uh, but the, the big one is the one that is called the next instruction. And yeah, it's a way for your instruction at the end of all of its work, after it's done everything to, uh, point to some instruction that should be run next. Um, and what that looks like is, is basically, um, I mean, exactly what it's like to build a instruction or a transaction on the client side as you define the program you want to call the accounts that you want to pass in and the data. Um, and you can build that dynamically. And, and so part of like what we find quite exciting is, is you can build dynamic logic into your smart contracts that, um, takes like branching decisions and say, looks at some on-chain account state and says, if price is above a hundred, then return instruction a, uh, if price is below a hundred, then do instruction B next. Um, and to take that a step further, like, I mean, you can do branching logic. You can also do cyclical logic where like instruction A points to B, points to A, points to B, points to C, uh, you know, depending on like whatever type of workflow that, that you're trying to run and whatever mm -hmm. trying to like kind of job you're, you're trying to do. Um, and, and those chains can, can even run on forever. Like there's no reason that they have to end, uh, at any points. And so, um, you know, you could build a smart contract that like computes pi on chain <laughs> if you wanted to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'd be and practical, but like you could. Um, and are sorry. some of these, uh, is there a limitation to how often you can kind of refresh these? So in like Sonic case blocks are like 400 milliseconds. Can you do it every block? Uh, yeah, you can. We're, we're working to get that, uh, latency to like a per slot basis, but, um, hmm. basically the, uh, what will happen is you can build these long chains and, and the workers will simulate those chains and then pack those instructions into a transaction and, and submit that mm -hmm. to the chain. And, mm -hmm. uh, if that chain is long enough, it, it will be too large to fit in a single transaction. And so the, the worker net will be able to kind of cut that chain at whatever the limit is, um, pack it into a transaction and submit that to the chain and then continue processing with another transaction, continue processing with another transaction. And those transactions could be submitted across multiple slots. Um, 
Could you talk more about, uh, from like the technical aspect, the simulation and like the uh, block packing? Yeah. Uh, this is a area where there's like a lot of optimizations to do. Um, but basically we simulate those threads and we can keep track of like how many compute units your instructions are using, um, how many accounts they're using. And if you've hit those, those limits, um, and that's all and then, happening on the RPCs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so as a developer, you don't have to worry about it. Um, we do provide an API where you can specify the rate limit, uh, of the thread. And so if you say want to only include, uh, three instructions per slot, you could set your rate limit at three. And when the workers are building those transactions, they'll, they'll stop at three and just submit that to the chain and submit transactions in, in chunks of three, um, if you want. But the, the default is, is set to 10, which generally is about like for an average transaction where you kind of hit like the account limits. Um, and, and one area of optimization we're working on right now is to basically bake the, the version transaction, like the lookup tables into that, where, mm -hmm. uh, we could allow for much larger transactions, like, like much higher rate limits. Um, and, and as a developer, you wouldn't have to worry about the lookup tables. Like the clockwork would take care of, of creating the lookup tables for you based on the accounts that you're using, um, and then optimize the transaction building that way. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, and ultimately all that simulation, uh, can be spread out upon multiple slots, uh, and then you pack it, uh, why, why ultimately, um, can you explain the block packing, uh, and like, uh, and why, why you have to pack them all together versus just like sending them, uh, instantaneously? Yeah. Uh, the reason is that the, the chains can be dynamic. And so, um, like it, instruction a might have some logic that depending on the current state of the chain mm -hmm. it returns, uh, some instruction B next. And, but if that state was different, it might return instruction C. And so we actually have to simulate that chain, um, right at the point where the transaction is going to be submitted in order to That's figure it. out like, um, what the, the correct logical path should be. Um, yeah. and, and so that's what that simulation is for. And it, it really allows for like dynamic transaction building where in your smart contract, you can have rules around what accounts you want to pass into, um, the particular transactions. Cause sometimes you don't know until the points that you actually want to run. Yeah. Um, and, and so the clockwork APIs kind of provide like, uh, uh, a smart contract, an interface for smart contracts to, or for you to define that logic within your smart contracts, really. Nice. Um, oh, it's super fascinating. Uh, it's, I'm glad, uh, the clockwork team is abstracting a lot of that complexity, uh, and just allowing <laughs> uh, developers to just hit the API, uh, makes the building yeah. in the <laughs> ecosystem a lot easier. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, that was like why we thought it was a problem worth solving is that um, building those, those bots, those like off-chain bots to automate your smart contract is, um, like a non-trivial challenge and, and is way harder than it seems. And like, as soon as you do it, you run into all sorts of problems with like transactions that time out and fail, and you gotta like have retry mechanisms and, and optimizations yeah. around like how you build that stuff. And, and for every team to be like solving those same problems, there's just like, like there's gotta be a better solution there. Um, and so that's like what the, the goal of the worker net and, and clockwork in general is, is to kind of provide that, um, that automation network for, um, for blockchain developers just to be able to write their smart contracts in a way where they like run on their own. Perfect. Uh, for people, uh, either, uh, people that want to learn more about clockworks or developers that want to use clockworks, what is the best way to, uh, get familiar with the threads and, uh, what you're building at, uh, clockworks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our, everything on clockwork is open source, uh, hundred percent open source. And so <laughs> we're available on GitHub at, uh, just github.com slash clockwork dash X Y Z. Um, you can also go to our page at clockwork.xyz 
uh, and find our links to GitHub there. Uh, you can also find our docs uh, on this page there. So docs.clockwork.xyz. Um, and there, there's deep dives into the, the programming model and, and how threads work and how the worker nets kind of builds those, those transactions. Um, those are all, uh, docs are very much a work in progress. Uh, you'll kind of continue to see them improve over, over the coming weeks and months. Um, but yeah, basically our, our landing page, uh, and, and discord as well, um, we're pretty active in discord. And so if you know, there's any developers out there with questions or. I'm just trying to wrap their heads around like what, what clockwork is and how to use it. Um, you can jump in our discord and find the developers channel and just fire away. Someone will be there awesome. to answer. And is the clockwork team hiring at the moment? If anybody wants to join. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just ping me on, on Twitter and yeah, we'll set up some time to chat. Cool. Awesome. Uh, no, I, I, I generally, uh, really think, uh, this is a core infrastructure that is needed uh, that, I mean, touches pretty much every project. And so I'm glad that you and the Clockworks team have ultimately taken on this challenge to help make the ecosystem uh, more friendly for all the engineers. Because like you said, it is it is complex and often the simple things or be, being able to create a simple solution uh, is much harder than it seems. Yes, uh, <laughs> very much so. Getting something working is easy. Making it elegant and easy to use is the, the 10x challenge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe so uh, you went to uh, Breakpoint last year, you went to Breakpoint this year. How kind of uh, would you describe kind of the differences from now and then and then uh, going forward to say 2023? What are the things that you're looking forward to and the Solana ecosystems or even more broadly with like clocks, clockworks in like a year timeframe. Yeah. If forecasting a year out is hard. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, first break points, uh, I was brand new to the ecosystem. I, I mean, I felt like an outsider kind of looking in, um, to a world I didn't really understand. Uh, but was just super impressed by like the talent of, of everyone there and like projects that everyone was working on. Um, so yeah, coming in this break points, um, it was kind of surreal, I guess, to be like a speaker to go from like, I don't know, not knowing anything to like standing on stage. Um, but yeah, we were super thankful to, um, yeah, all the, the judges and the Riptide hackathon that, um, yeah, voted on our project and, and help us get there. Um, I was super impressed by this year's breakpoints and all of the announcements between Instagram supporting NFTs, uh, Google cloud supporting like Solana validators and, um, the big query stuff to be able to query on chain data, I think is huge. Um, as well as the fire dancer talk, obviously, I mean, that seemed to be like the, the keynotes that everyone took away is just the, like how cool fire dancer is and, um, the ability to support a million TPS. Um, will be huge for the network. And, um, so f yeah, forecasting a year out from now, um, uh, we have our kind of internal goals for clockwork in terms of the, the integrations we want to get done and mm -hmm. all the, the teams we want to partner with. Um, and yeah, I'll be most excited by kind of the, the companies that, uh, you know, maybe we're able to pull into the ecosystem over the coming year. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would say jumping off that, I mean, obviously you kind of left a, not a, well, I would say cushy uh, web two job in Silicon Valley. Ultimately, mm -hmm. uh, what would your advice, especially given how much progress you've made from going last year to feeling like an outsider to this year being on the main stage at Breakpoint, what advice would your would you give to developers or engineers or, uh, product marketing, anybody that wants to get involved in crypto and web three, uh, to, uh, yeah. What would your advice be to those people looking or interested to join the ecosystem? Yeah. Um, I think the big thing is just to start, like, like to reach out to people and show up to the hack houses, like mountain Dow changed everything for us. I think like we wouldn't have had 
uh, I don't know, the insights that, that we needed to like start clockwork. If we hadn't gone to, to Mountain Dow and just been talking with developers in the ecosystem. Um, and, and so just starting to build and, and getting out there, like, like making friends is, is really like the big thing. Um, yeah. I mean, this is nothing if not the community. And so, uh, like making friends, I feel like is, is probably the most valuable thing, um, in terms of like both aligning and like, like testing your own hypotheses and ideas, uh, off of like what other people think, as well as having just a support group there for like when, when things turn turn south it's like you know who are you there to hang out with and help you through it and so um yeah i mean just kind of super appreciative and thankful to everyone in the ecosystem that kind of helped us get to where we are so spend a obscene amount of time on twitter and discord <laughs> twitter discord and and the in-person meetups like i think the yeah. the hacker houses that the uh i, I think it's foundation are, are th putting together like mm -hmm. they're amazing for kind of seeing the people behind the, the Twitter accounts and, and actually getting to know them in person and like sit down and have a drink with them and, and a laugh. And, um, I fully it's agree. kind of where like the real connections get made. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Uh, definitely. I I've been to now quite a few different ecosystem or layer one, uh, hackathons and I'm continuously impressed by the level of uh, the high standard that the Solana ecosystem kind of hold itself to now after being able to, um, having done so many hacker house, like you said, it is imp so important to actually go to some of these things, meet the people and be like, all right, this is not just Twitter or discord or JPEG pictures. Uh, they're actually real people. Um, and it, it does make a big difference. Yeah. And everyone's way more accessible than it seems like when you're first diving in, I don't know, like. I think when you're a newcomer to an ecosystem, it seems like there's all these, I don't know, uh, personalities that are like so hard to get in touch with, but, but everyone's just like people behind a computer <laughs> like behind the yeah. Phone. Yeah. and like, you know, most of them have their DMS open. You can send them a message. They're on discord. Um, and everyone's like very willing, uh, and, um, uh, willing to help and like just Perfect. accessible. And that's what I think makes Solana ecosystem so great. I definitely agree. Perfect. Well, I try to end the podcast on like a spicy note. Uh, my go-to spicy question as of recently, uh, has been what like ecosystem do you think is doing things that you're not excited about long-term? Uh, hmm. and what, what outside of say like the Solana ecosystem or even project, uh, hmm. do you feel like is doing things like really, uh, that excites you and like motivates you to, uh, keep building, uh, yeah. Hmm. Let's see. So you want the positive one? The, which, which uh, one excites both. me most? Yeah. Uh, the one I'm kind of skeptical on is some of the like SVM rollup stuff. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really get it. I, I like, I don't get why it's needed totally. Um, just because Solana yeah, just... does have high performance already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like the throughput and confirmation speeds are already there. Um, and yeah, I think in the future, like we, we will see kind of like multiple leaders on Solana. I think long-term, like we could even see the slot times start to decrease and go like below 400 milliseconds. And so yeah. like the the performance improvements by a L2 on top of Solana. Like, I'm not sure I fully understand where they're coming from. Um, but maybe there's something like, I don't understand. I don't know. I'm not like fully in that space. Um, and then stuff I'm excited by, um, I think there'll be, um, a bit of overlap or like integration between like this recent AI stuff and, and the blockchains. I'm, I'm like, pretty excited by all the AI tech that's out there. Um, yeah. and I'm kind of curious to see like if, if someone could deploy like an ML model on chain and like, I don't know, run That'd be wild. <laughs> like a true ghost in the shell or something like <laughs> it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be like a weird crossover. Um, no, I think all, all the stuff that's happening in AI is like, like very impressive and mind blowing. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm working in crypto, but, um, yeah, I kind of want to dabble a little bit and, 
the ML space. Yeah, the machine learning stuff is fascinating. Uh, as, I mean, I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole ultimately uh, when Tesla started revealing more about how they're training their neural networks and um, how um, it is fascinating how they've trained um, or essentially have the model set up. But no, the, the machine learning yeah. world is very, very cool. And uh, you definitely need a lot of compute <laughs> to yeah. train those models. <laughs> and I think that's one reason why I kind of gravitated. I mean, as fascinating as it is, the fact that you and I or anybody with an idea, especially how early it is today, can ultimately jump into crypto, not have a lot of money or not need, you don't need a lot of resources and can build something cool. Um, so yeah. definitely... But definitely a fascinating field, AI, machine learning, uh, and even crypto. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating how this will unfold as well, but uh, definitely appreciate your time, Nick. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing more about Clockworks. Um, except, definitely extremely excited for what you and the team are building and happier that you're making it easier for all the other developers in the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, Nick.